F-O-R-Christ.org. The testimony that God once planted, the seed that God once planted, can be aired and can be heard by the person who needs to hear it. WIAM 101.1 FM, The Way. Current events, personal values, political and social issues, technology, wars and tensions. Join us for the next hour to discuss and learn how the things happening in our world today point to God's prophetic word as signs of the times. Are military drones talked about in Bible prophecy? What about mysterious explosions or nuclear weapons? What does the Bible have to say about wildfires, heat waves, and droughts? Or about the Christian church no longer focused on Christ? We'll try to answer those questions, plus much more, as we look at the signs of the times. It's our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news for Friday, July 9th. 2021. Along with Mark Kirk, the senior pastor of Calvary Knoxville, or as those in the kids' church like to say, Pathdomok. Yes. <laughs> I'm Greg Hilt, here to let you know that you can enjoy Signs of the Times anytime by downloading the Way Media app or visiting thewaymedia.net. And today's live broadcast will transform into podcast number 175, which you can subscribe to through Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or Stitcher. However, You'll need to make that choice to subscribe yourself, as we will not be coming door-to-door to see if you've subscribed. <laughs> However, if you want to read the articles for each show, that's only available through the Way Media app or thewaymedia.net. We, that was clearly yes. a little teaser yes. for some of the things that we're going to be talking yes, about. Yes, we'll not be going door-to-door making you take the app. That's right. Making you take the app, both small and great, oh, I be lo- forced to take the app. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Calm down, Greg. It's all right. It's that all right. deserved right. that deserved a laugh. Yeah, that yeah, was good. That was good. Right. That was really good. Okay. <laughs> this is our Truth in 10 segment. This is where Pastor Mark answers your Bible or Bible prophecy questions in 10 minutes or less. Yeah. Pastor Mark, today's question comes from Sharon, who uh, listens to us or watches us in the villages there in Florida. She says, I was watching the 700 Club late last week, and they were talking about how China is trying to implement their currency to be the worldwide currency. If this were to happen, how would that affect our currency? Would it no longer be any good? Could that happen before the rapture? And finally, she says, how do we, or she asks, how do we protect our money? Yeah. Okay, great questions. I'll try to remember both parts there. First of all, sure. I mean, we don't know exactly. I will say this. The reason China is trying to um, push their currency is because they want to be the world-dominant power. They're trying to do that militarily. They're trying to do it financially. They're trying to do it in every way. And really, they're having great success. If no one heads them off at the pass, so to speak, they will be, if the Lord doesn't come back, the world-dominant power in a few years. Uh, they're, they're, we're not exactly protecting our status, and they're passing us up. So I could see that happening in that sense. But... We have to get back to what the Bible says about the currency in the last days. There will be a one world currency. Uh, the Bible talks about in uh, Revelation 13 that the Antichrist, this world leader, will make everyone, small and great, take a mark on their hand or their forehead uh, to identify us. It also talks about the fact that we'll be working together as a one world government, which means there'll be a one world currency of some form. How that's going to come together, we don't know. My guess would be, if I had to answer you this, I do not believe that China is going to be the world currency because there will be a world currency. And I do believe this is the spirit of Antichrist that's working on a, not just them being the dominant power, but literally a world currency that everybody uses just that currency. So I think you see the spirit of Antichrist working through the leadership of China in that sense, being an ungodly nation and being more in tune with the spirit of Antichrist than they would the spirit of God. 
But whoever this, whenever this happens, this um, one world currency, it's going to be based probably out of Europe. Now, here's what we know. It's going to be controlled out of Europe because this world leader is going to be reigning from Europe. He's going to rule the entire world. He'll be controlling everyone financially, governmentally, every other way he'll be controlling them. So uh, it's very logical to realize that we'll have that one world currency and probably be based out of something that is a world currency out of Europe. Now, could there be a world currency developed somewhere else? Could, could he take China's idea and say, hey, this is a great idea for a one world currency. Could he take that idea and incorporate that as a world currency? Yes, he could do that. I don't think that he will, but yes, he could. Um, I don't think it would be that individualized. I think it's going to be something new that they come up with out of Europe. That'll be led by him. That'll bring all of these other currencies either together and or will start something brand new uh, that will be this world currency. So I would leave the window open to say it's possible he could take over the Chinese currency and make that a digital thing if it's a great system. Yeah. But whatever it's going to be, I don't think that'll be it. Whatever it's going to be, it's going to be a one-world digital system that is going to be headed up by this particular individual. And to address her second part to that, Pastor Mark, she says, could that happen before the rapture? So clearly in the timeline, that would be after the rapture. Right? Yes, I don't, I don't, I believe that this, you know, again, could this happen before the rapture? I mean, I mean, it is possible the world could develop a one-world currency before the Antichrist comes on the scene. That's possible. That's possible. They yeah. could actually develop it and say, we're going to do a one-world system, and then the Antichrist comes on the scene and takes it over. So I think a lot of times we say, well, there's a one-world economic system. The Antichrist is going to bring it in. I think he probably will, but it could be, yes, possible it's in place, and he just comes in and takes it over. More likely, for part two of that question, I would think it's going to be something that he will get into power, and he's going to say, hey, we need to bring all this together. Yeah. Here's my plan. Boom, he implements it, and we have a one-world currency under his leadership. Well, and also, too, just to add to that, Sharon, don't forget that the euro, which has been around since the late 90s, is technically a regional currency that exists for Europe, yeah, for the European it is, nations. It is. Uh, there has been talk about creating a currency, or there's plans to create a, a regional currency called the Amero, which would cover Canada, the United States, and Mexico. Will all those things materialize? Would we see a gradual thing? Would we see regional currencies before we see a combined currency? That right. very well could happen, too. We right. don't know. But one thing's for certain, the digital age, it, it will definitely usher in a lot of these things more rapidly than than, than paper currency. Yeah, it, I, I yeah. think the key is the ultimate end will be a one-world one world currency, at the end of the and day. this guy's going to be heading it yeah. up. I, I Again, yeah. I don't think it'll be China, but he yeah. can use whatever means he chooses yeah. to use. So she's concerned just from, I guess, a, a purely fiscal standpoint, how do we protect our money? I mean, you how know, do you answer that? That is a great question, and I would say the wisest thing, you know, this is, you know, I go back to something uh, that Mark Twain said many years ago which is very wise you know there's only so much land they're not making any more of it <laughs> and i think that probably look i'm not a financial counselor but i would say that if you really are are, are are wanting to make wise investments in the day and age in which we live probably real estate would be one of the wisest investments you can make investing in your home investing in property only for this reason the stock market can be just collapse and i believe at some point soon we're going to see another major collapse i believe that's coming um, I'm not saying total collapse like 1933 or, or the 30s or whenever that happened, but I'm saying there is going to be, I believe, a collapse because we're, we have, we have put so much debt load on our, on America. There's no way we can maintain it. We can't even pay it off now, it would appear. And so at some point, payday is going to come due and we're going to be in trouble. So that's going to happen. Gold and silver, you know, the Bible says don't lay up gold and silver. Matter of fact, it says in the last days, gold and silver, silver will be worthless. They'll be throwing gold in the streets out of frustration. We, you know, we, what is this? We can't use it. We're dying. Nobody wants it. And, and so at that point, it won't really matter because that'll be after the rapture. Uh, before the rapture, I don't believe that'll happen. But um, I would say, you know, you need to probably get, um, you know, a good financial counselor in your, in your life that knows the Lord. Uh, I, I obviously know the Lord, and I, I, but I'm not a financial counselor. But I would say that I would think that real estate is going to be a wise investment or something that, you know, um, is going to uh, be around forever. And there are certain things that are, you know, if, if, if this collapses, everything's going to collapse. It's kind of the, the mindset of that. So I'd look for those kind of things and, and put your investments there. But, you know, even if the economy collapses, you still have your land. And uh, it may not be worth as much, but it's still there. You can use it to farm. You can use it to, for whatever you might need. And if you had to sell it, you could sell it. So that would be, you know, the only way I know to protect it, really. You know, let me say this. 
I'm just reading this morning. The greatest protection you could do for your money would be this. Um, you know, laying out up treasures on earth where moth and rust, you know, d- destroy and, and, and uh, thieves break in and steal. I'm not being, I'm not saying we shouldn't be wise and we shouldn't make investments. I'm saying invest in things of the kingdom is you're going to be your greatest return because as you invest in the kingdom, it's going to be there forever. And this is a market that's always going up, will never go down. And you have full return on your, on your investment when you retire, uh, when you leave this body, it's there forever. So that's going to be the best investment you can do. And that's on the spiritual side. And I know that I'm being realistic here. But secondly, I would say the Bible says, seek first the kingdom of God and these things will be added. I would put the Lord first and then I'd say, Lord, now that I put you first, I want to be a good steward in my investing in the kingdom first, but then secondly, in taking care of my family while I'm here on earth, what are the two best ways I can invest in the kingdom and invest here uh, in my family and my family future here on earth and let God lead you in that? And again, I think that probably, again, it probably is a wise area of, you know, real estate's a wise thing, but those would be the two biblical viewpoints i would give on that yeah that's great sharon thank you so much for your question if you've got one like sharon we invite you to visit thewaymedia.net or just download the way media app and go to signs of the times you'll see our question section and you'll also see our frequently asked question section as well so you can check that out at thewaymedia.net okay pastor mark before we get to articles you've got some commentary on the things happening in our world today that uh from a pastor's perspective you'd like to get off your chest and share with us yeah just to talk a little bit about kind of uh, as we're watching things unfold here and the development of um of what's happening in our world we know this we know that we're headed toward we talked about uh, revelation 13 it says the antichrist is going to take force everyone to take a mark. You're not going to have a choice. You'll be forced to do it, it says, uh, on the hand of the forehead. And so we're going to see governments working toward forcing their people into compliance. That's, that's the direction we're heading, and we're going to keep going that direction until the Antichrist comes on the scene and implements it fully. Why do I bring that up? Maybe uh, our listeners you've seen recently, and probably you have if you watch the news or listen to the news any at all, where President Biden has said there are going to be people going door to door uh, trying to get people to get vaccines, you know, and to really push them to get vaccines. I don't think they can legally make you get a vaccine, at least at this point, but to put pressure on you, to shame you, to maybe uh, make a, a note in their records of those who don't have it. And as I heard them talking about that on the news, Greg, I realized this is in America, which is the last holdout for freedom in the world. We now have a government that's saying we're going to come and do our best to force you to do something to your body, to inject a fluid, a liquid in your body. And I know, again, for there are some people that you know talk about how safe it is and they, they in, the, in the age group they're in and their situation they need. Other people have strong conviction they don't want to do that, especially with a lot of the side effects we're seeing with it. And yet the government's saying we're going to do our best to force you to do it. This is step one in getting you to forcing you basically into a government um, obedience and mold. And I've never seen anything, Greg, in my life or really through American history. If you look back at American history, there's never been something this bold where they f- try to force Americans to do something like this. And I believe, again, it's, it's just another step in getting us ready for the mark of the beast. Because when that guy shows up and says, now everybody has to do this. Okay, and I'm not saying the shot's the mark of the beast. I do not believe it is. It's the concept of what's happening right. that we're talking about. You have to do this. You're going to find a much more compliant world with the new generation being forced to do it. Yeah. The older generation dying out. And if they don't do it, they'll make them do it. This is really amazing. We talk about prep work for yeah. the Antichrist. Greg, this is level two Get everybody ready for something you have to take. And you know what? You'll be glad you took the mark when you do, because it's going to be for your good and for the benefit of all your neighbors, everyone in your community, and you'll be a good citizen by submitting to this world leader and this world government. I've also heard some people within the church, and I'm using that as a very broad term, uh, using the scripture of love your neighbor as yourself. Well, if you really love your neighbor, then you would get the shot. Right. Because that would be helping to protect them. Right. So they're trying to use scripture. Yeah. Some people are. Yeah. Uh, to try to uh, coerce people yeah. into taking the shot. And it's really not about the shot. That's, I mean, that's kind of like what you were talking about. We need to pull back and look at the 30,000 foot view here. This is about conditioning the people to do what the government is telling them to do that's right that's right and and compliance and compliance and eventually when he 
the Antichrist shows up on the scene. Yes, it will be do it or die. Right. Until then, it's kind of like meat tenderizer. I I, I kind of look like what what's that what's that uh, that hammer that's got the little spikes in it. I know there's a kitchen name for it. I don't know but the name the, of it, but but, I know but, the, but the meat's tough, yeah. and you got to take that hammer and you got to yes. whack it. Yes. You know to tenderize it, basically to bust up the the tendons and the tissues and whatever right. to soften the meat. Right. So it's edible. Right. That's kind of what we're seeing here. Where this is meat tenderizer time. Yeah, it really is. And um, again, we're just being prepared for this yes. uh, ultimate takeover. And and let me give balance to this now for the listeners out there. We're not saying that we should rebel against the government. As a matter of fact, the Bible is very clear in Romans 13 that as believers and as good Christians were to come under the governing authorities and were to be a blessing and a support to them. But remember, there's a limit to that. We're to come under that authority and be a blessing unless they ask us to go against what the Word of God either directly teaches or the principles of God's Word. And at some point, the government, where they begin to take away your freedoms and force things upon you that might be evil or harmful, you're not... You're you're not uh, commanded by God to come under that at that point. You're not commanded by God to allow the government to kill your baby. You're not, a, a, you know, force you to do an abortion or whatever the case might be. So we comply up until it's direct sin in Scripture or against a principle in Scripture. And Greg, you didn't talk about people saying they use Scripture, love your neighbor. If you want to play tennis with Scripture, <laughs> what about your body yeah. is the temple of God? I mean, you say, look, this, I'm supposed to take care of this. I don't know what that fluid is going to do to my body. Mm. Um, well, I, my, aunt died three, my aunt died three days after the shot, and she was in great health. I, I can't prove the shot did it, but why did my aunt die? You know, so the point is, and does that mean that no one should get the shot? I'm not saying that. We see some women now. We have numbers of women that are being sterilized, some younger women that have been sterilized. We see enlarged hearts. We see large numbers that have died within days after the shot. So I think we're seeing side effects to the shot that are undeniable. Again, I'm not making the argument that no one should ever take the shot. That's not my point in this segment. My point simply is, when the government begins to demand you do things that might harm you, then you're not being uncompliant to God by saying, no, I can't do that. We come under the governing authorities until they pit us against God's word or the directives of God's principles. And we should also point out, too, that uh, what it says in Ephesians is is really important to bring up at this point in Ephesians 6.12. We're not wrestling against flesh and blood here. We're not wrestling against the U.S. government, okay? The U.S. government just thinks what they're doing is the best thing to do for the people. But what's really behind this is really Satan himself. Yeah. As he's conditioning the people, so when he his appointed one world leader shows up on the scene, yeah. you know he will force both small and great to take the mark. It, yeah. it, no one will have, no one will be able to make an excuse, get out of it, whatever. Yeah. So, so just keep that in mind. This isn't like the U.S. government. This isn't the Democrat thing. This isn't anything like that. Other than these people are usable for the purposes that we see how Bible prophecy is playing itself out and this right. is just part of the conditioning process yeah and and you know again i want to you know everyone has to decide whether yes. you want to take the shot or not that's between you and the lord if you're a believer it's not a sin correct pastor Mark? it's not a sin either okay. way no there's nothing about it either way that's sinful but you've got to make that decision the concern i have is when the government starts uh, uh demanding and mandating yes. and even goes door to door to do that now's when you're talking about dictatorship type stuff now we're talking about spirit of antichrist world leader domination you know removing freedoms this kind of or stuff. restricting your i was going to say restricting your liberties yeah if you don't yeah exactly so uh you know that's where we come from on that and i think that's an important thing to recognize so when you watch this happening uh, it doesn't mean you're a bad citizen. You know, let me give you another example. It's one thing to say if we're all lined up and we're shooting rifles toward people, you'd be a bad citizen to pull the trigger and shoot toward people. And that's kind of the argument. If you're shooting, you may kill somebody. The problem with this particular um, vaccine is that the bullet may come back and hit you. People are taking the shot and dying. People are taking the shot and get, in, getting enlarged hearts. People are taking the shot and, and becoming infertile. Uh, Israel now has numbers on the infertility among some of their women that have taken the shot. So it's 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 a it's when you say no, I don't want to pull the trigger of that gun uh, because it may come back and hit me. You're not just you're, there's a lot more involved to this than protecting your neighbor if you do or don't take the shot. That's why each person has to make that decision. This is a much more complicated yeah, subject. It is and complex subject. Now I want to roll into the next thing I yes, feel sir. that's on the horizon, Greg. We need to talk about. And that is, I have been perplexed recently uh, of why a large section of the church is so into the social gospel. Now, what do I mean by the social gospel? 
there is nothing wrong in the church being active in good social things. I think the church should good. For example, we're commanded to feed the poor and be involved in those that are in need. That's a social thing. That's good. But there's a difference in a social gospel and a biblical gospel. The social gospel is, um, well, the biblical gospel, let me start there, is is we're to go and we're, it's Jesus Christ came, God in the form of a man came to the earth. He died for our sins on a cross and, and paid for our sins by his blood. If you confess your sin, repent of your sin, and put your faith in his blood on that cross and ask him to save you, he will save you. That's the gospel. You'll be born again. You have eternal life. The social gospel says it is our job to fix all the problems in society and fix all the problems of the world, and in so doing, we're promoting the gospel. Well, you can fix all the problems you want, but if people don't come to the blood of Jesus Christ and the cross, they're going to have their situation fixed and still end up in hell. So the social gospel should not be the focus of the church. The focus of the church should be the biblical gospel. Jesus on the cross, the blood, the death, the forgiveness of sins, born again, new life in Jesus Christ, the biblical gospel. And then as we're, Greg, driving down the road of the biblical gospel or walking the path of the biblical gospel, then yes, we reach out to the poor. We reach out to those that are in need. We stand up maybe for those that have injustice and we make a stand for them. The problem is much of the church has made the stand for the poor and injustice and all these things, they've made that the focal point before the biblical gospel. So they've taken the social gospel, it's number one. The biblical gospel, which saves souls, is number two. No, we need to reverse that. Save souls first, then reach the needs of our community. That has to be the proper order. And I remember looking at this, I was like, why is so much of the church, people that I know truly know the Lord, why are they so focused on the social issues more than they are the biblical issues? And Greg, what it boils down to is your basic understanding and foundation of theology. Now, our listeners need to understand there are different mindsets of how you read the Bible. We at Calvary Chapel, and I believe we have great standing because you'll find all of the prophets and Jesus himself stood in the same camp. And that is, I'm not saying he stood in our camp, we're standing in his, I believe. That is, if you look at all the prophets and Jesus, they always and only read the scriptures Literally, you will not find a prophet that didn't that didn't prophesy literally in the Bible. You will not find a time Jesus didn't speak literal in the Bible. Now, some are listening right now saying, wait a minute. What about the example of, you know, I'm the door. And what about the example of, of the dragon in heaven? And what about the prophets when they said, you know, there were, do you see a fig in front of the temple? Yes. I realize that symbols and imagery were used by the prophets. And I realize that symbols and imagery were used by the Lord. But every single symbol used, every single imagery used, it all had behind it a literal meaning. When Jesus said, I'm a, I am the door, we know he wasn't saying he was a piece of wood. No, Jesus was making a literal point by using a picture of something we all understood. This is the way you get into something. I am that way of, of getting into heaven. So it's very literal. I am the door. You see the dragon, the woman, the baby. What about that, Mark? The dragon we see is a symbol of Satan. We see the woman as a symbol of Israel. We see the baby as a symbol of the Messiah. But they all literally mean those things. We see the prophets. Uh, what do you see? You know, uh, you know, he asked the prophet, what do you see? I see a bag full, a, a, a basket full of figs, some good, some bad. There's imagery, but he goes, yes, that's the difference in those in Israel who love me and those who don't. And I'm about to bring judgment. So I, I don't want to belabor the point. I'm simply saying this. If you believe the Bible literally, you're going to stay on target. You're going to stay on track and you'll understand how to understand the scripture. And Greg, you will have a biblical gospel. But if you allegorize, if you only symbolize, if you go with some other interpretation than literal, then what happens is it becomes a picture and a symbol, and it can mean whatever your group says it means. Uh, your group now becomes the authority rather than the Word of God. And the problem with that is is that it now becomes the a uh, false gospel, if you will. Let me explain how this works. For example, the Bible says Jesus Christ will come back and rule and reign on the earth literally for a thousand years. The government will be upon his shoulders, Isaiah 9, 6. And it tells us in other places how long, Revelation, etc. Now, if you take that literal, then you realize, all right, he's coming back to run and reign. 
If you don't take it literal and you think it's just allegorical or symbolic, then you fall into what's called an amillennial viewpoint. And the amillennialists will say, well, God just uses things allegorically or symbolically. It doesn't really mean it literally. The problem with that, again, is is that now you can get away from the pure gospel and what we're supposed to do. You don't believe it. There's another one called dominion theology that says that we've got to actually get all the earth in order. See, the Bible says this. The earth is a mess. Jesus Christ is going to come back and fix it. Dominion theology says, no, we've got to fix the earth. We've got to make it right. And after we make it right, Jesus Christ can come back. That is where I believe a lot of the church is veering off into the social gospel over the biblical gospel. They are trying to make the world right. They're trying to fix all the problems between white and black. They're trying to fix all the problems between same-sex issues. They're trying to fix all the problems between um, uh, the climate, okay, and all these things that are going on. Mm-hmm. And, and there are legitimate things to be looked at in all of those categories, right? But the bottom line is, is we can't fix them. We don't have the power. We don't have the ability. It is done by the power of the Holy Spirit. God has to control all this. God has to do it, and God has to fix it. If we believe we can fix it, then we start getting involved in all these programs and all these issues and all these marches and all these social things that, yes, maybe have some benefit here on earth. But, Greg, they're not promoting salvation by the biblical gospel. And so now I understand. I see some of these movements and I realize they're not taking the word literally. And because of that, they're getting involved in all these social movements. And they truly, honestly believe they're forwarding the gospel, but it's a false social gospel rather than a biblical gospel. So let me reiterate before we run out of time. I am not saying that the church is not to be involved in social matters, that we shouldn't be helping the poor, that we shouldn't be standing up for those that are being mistreated. I'm all in on that. But we've got to remember only God can fix the world's problems and only God can hold together the climate. And only God has all these things in his timing and in his hands. Our job as the church, let the world worry about all those things. Our number one focus, Jesus said to his disciples, go into all the world and make disciples, you know, teaching them, of, you know, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, yeah. and the Holy Spirit. And again, preaching the gospel, the biblical gospel that Jesus Christ died on the cross and through that we're forgiven. So I know I'm trying to get it in because I'm watching the clock, but the reality is... I want to make an appeal yeah. to all my brothers and sisters. Look, I, I appreciate the, the, the heart for all the social issues. Yes, they're important. But as the church, we have got to keep the first thing the first thing. We have got to stay focused. If we fix every problem on the planet between individuals, between issues, between whatever, and everybody's happy, and then we all go to hell, what have we done? Nothing. Zero. But if we don't fix all the issues... But we preach the biblical gospel, and people are born again again in the kingdom. What have we done? We've saved souls from eternal damnation, and they're in the kingdom of God. So we've got to stay focused as a church, keep our mind on the gospel, on the word, on the cross, and then seek first the kingdom of God, he said. All these other things will be added. Greg, we're chasing as a church all these other things instead of focusing on seeking first the kingdom of God. Pastor Mark, 2 Corinthians 11.4 says, For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, or a different gospel which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. And Colossians 2.8 says, Beware, lest anyone cheat you through philosophy and empty deceit, according to the tradition of men, according to the basic principles of the world, and not according to Christ. Yeah, yeah. The true good news is only found in Jesus. That's it's not right. been found in the social cause. And Greg, look at the fruit. Jesus said you'll know them by their fruit. Yeah. That is, whatever we see, we'll know by the fruit. When you preach the gospel in the church and to the lost, it brings unity. Yes. True you, true unity. Yes. When you preach these social issues, look what it's doing. Division. It's ripping the church apart. Yeah. It's ripping our society apart. It's 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 all of this stuff. We have got to get back again. I appeal to anyone out there, and, and, and what is your theology? Do you believe the Bible literally? Because if you don't, you may fall in one of these camps. If you believe the Bible literally, you'll see that God does care about the poor, that God does care about these issues. But they come second to the biblical gospel and salvation through Jesus Christ and his blood on the cross. And that's where our focus has to be as a church. Yeah, amen indeed. Thank you, Pastor Mark. When we come back, we're going to go over to Israel and see, are they using technology that maybe 
was talked about prophetically in Scripture in the end times. We'll talk about that plus much more as Signs of the Times continues. WIAMLP 101.1 FM, Knoxville. How well do you and your spouse communicate when it comes to the family finances? Hi, I'm Chuck Bentley. This is My Money Life from Crown Financial Ministries. Today, the late Larry Burkett counsels us to listen to our very best counselor, our spouse. A husband who does not take the counsel of his wife is losing the very best human counselor God ever put on the face of the earth. I've sat across the table from many men who knew a lot more about finances than I'll ever know, and that's an honest truth. And I would hear them describing some of the dumbest get-rich-quick things you ever heard in your life. I could spot four or five biblical principles that these men who were godly Christians were about to violate because they got so caught up in their get-rich-quick without even having to say one word to them. You know what I would do? I would turn over to the wife and say, what do you think about that? And she would say, I don't have any peace about it at all. I don't think we ought to do that under any circumstances. You know what I believe? He stopped listening to God because he got so carried away. So God went over to the other half of the family and said, would you please stop that dummy before he loses some more of my money? Because that's about what he's going to do. I think that God speaks to either side and to both. And when you find that you're totally incompatible, that you cannot agree, it is either because one of you is out of source with God or you have never learned to communicate. The money is an objective, measurable thing where you can discuss it and come to a conclusion and work it out. You can literally see God speaking to you both. If you've been helped by Crown or this radio station, can I ask you to support us? We'll use your gift to reach so many in need all over the world. And if you already do support us, thank you for your generosity. You can begin giving today at crown.org. That's crown.org. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor. Isn't it so easy for us to jump to the wrong conclusions? It seems like that's what people can jump the highest in, wrong conclusions. Where you see what you see, you observe what you observe, but you're quick. And I'm quick to jump to the wrong conclusion. It's easy to make a snap judgment to come to the wrong conclusion. And what I've learned over the years, my pray that I can become better at it is to wait on the Lord before coming to a conclusion. To give it some time. For more biblical encouragement to help you grow deeper in your love relationship with Jesus, visit edtaylor.org. Again, that's edtaylor.org. A Moment of Grace with Ed Taylor is a presentation of Calvary Aurora. Signs of the Times now continues. Here again is your host... Welcome back to the second half of our weekly look at Bible prophecy in the world's news. These are the signs of the times for Friday, July 9th, 2021. I'm Greg Hilt, trying to finish some mint in my mouth. And Pastor Mark Kirk on the other side of the glass, itching to get into articles of interest that we have found this week that we want to share with our listeners. Pastor Mark, uh, we'll start in Israel. Foxnews.com. Uh, Israel used a swarm of drones Mm. to attack Hamas terrorists. And so as you read this article and talk about it, you know, the the Bible talks about things in during the Great Tribulation. Yeah. Stinging men, things that look different, you know, like a combination of like a scorpion and a man. I mean, there's that imagery there, which we know has a literal Meaning, sure. the the prophet was just doing the best he could to describe with what he understood at the time, the right. vision he was seeing. So, as you read this, could could something like drone technology, not necessarily that exists now, but maybe that's developed later, be what they saw prophetically? 
Yeah, I, I think it could because again, Greg, we know it's going to be demonic. We know it'll be yes. it'll be demons leading it. But again, there might be intermingling of the technology and demon influence. So the okay. two could be married in some way. We'll have to wait and see on that. But sure. I will say this: this is exciting and horrifying at the same time. <laughs> yes, it is. Um, you know, I, I remember seeing a, maybe you saw a couple of years ago some of the. Um, they had these seminars and sent some videos out. You may have seen them, Greg, this before we get in the article, of the drone attacks and how they could be used in warfare. I, I remember seeing them, and they would actually have drones that could shoot weapons that could fly in anywhere in, ha- in houses and assassinations. And, there's, and they had this whole video of all these people that were killing, pretend. Pretend, you know. Yeah, pretend. And it was like, wow, that's scary if they could really ever do that. Well, we have arrived. And can you imagine being surrounded by a swarm of drones that have uh, weapons on them, and there's nowhere you can run. Um, I mean, they're going to chase you down and get you. Even if you run in a room, they probably have something to blow the door open, coming to kill you. It's pretty scary, but it's pretty cool, but also scary. Israel reported they use a swarm of drones to locate and attack Hamas targets during the 11-day conflict that broke out in May. The IDF forces employed artificial intelligence to identify and strike targets in the Gaza Strip, according to a report from The New Scientist, which alleged it may be the first time a drone swarm has been used in combat. Drone swarms, and that word just sounds creepy, doesn't it, have been characterized as the next phase of war fighting, whereby hundreds of drones that integrate their actions using emergent behavior now, this is great. Notice this, what they do. They, they integrate their actions by emergent behavior, showing these guys, they work together as a team and can adapt to the situation to get the job done. I mean, this is freaky stuff. That's an artificial intelligence yeah, right there. Yes, by exploiting the swarm's ability to rapidly concentrate through maneuver, it becomes possible to mass effect at hundreds of points simultaneously. As noted in the U.S. Air Force report, the advantage this provides is the ability to conduct a parallel attack, but at an unprecedented scale. As previously reported by Fox News, drone systems have been acquired by U.S. adversaries, including Russia, China, and Iran. The U.S. has has identified that trend as a rapidly evolving challenge. Not only can the technology provide enhanced surveillance capability, which we know is already being used, but it can also present precision strike capability, direct attacks using small munitions, laser designation for indirect fires, and deploy chemical agents, wow. as noted in the Department of Defense report. In other words, these guys have chemical agents. They have weapons on them. You get in the room, close the door, they'll just shoot in some tear gas. Or you can run out, boom, boom, you're dead. I mean, this is creepy, but it's amazing. It's scary technology that we're into in this modern era. Uh, but now, again, we talk, we've seen the future of these things. And I remember seeing scientifically, you know, it's going to happen in the future. It's now happening, Greg. This stuff is being used in warfare. How it's going to be in the last days used? Will the Antichrist use it? Will it be integrated with the demonic forces moving uh, as they come against Israel? We'll wait and see. But it's pretty amazing to watch this happen. All right, some Ezekiel 38 and 39 news. We've got a couple of stories this week, Pastor Mark. The first one is from Israel365news.com, talking about mysterious explosions stopping Iran's countdown clock to Israel's annihilation. What does that mean? Yeah, Israel is behind the scenes making sure that Iran does not get a nuclear weapon. But, Greg, they're doing it in such a systematic, wise way. Listen to this. An explosion at a warehouse in Iran seems innocuous, but takes on greater import when viewed as the latest in a multi-year series. That's the key. Multi-year series of catastrophes at key facilities. The Tamliki property organization known as the OCSSPI alleged that due to the high temperature in Tehran in recent days, there was speculation that the fire was caused by a power outage. A Twitter account belonging to an Iranian immigrant in the U.S. noted that, ironically, the Iran's regime countdown to Israel's annihilation also stopped at the same time due to the power outage. In other words, these things are happening, but there's a reason they're happening, and it looks like Israel's behind the scenes. Listen to these explosions. It's over a period of time. In April, just one day after a chain of 164 advanced IR-6 uranium enrichment centrifuges went online, an explosion at Natanz, the country's main uranium enrichment facility, Then last July, Natanz suffered an explosion at its advanced centrifuge assembly plant. One week earlier, a large explosion was reported in the Parchin military base that was associated with nuclear weapons. It was later revealed that the explosion was the result of a cyber attack possibly carried out by Israel. At about the same time as the explosion at the Parchin facility, 
A large explosion at the local power station left half the city without electricity. And in an interview with Channel 12 last month, Yossi Cohen, the former head of the Mossad, which is their CIA in Israel, revealed that Israel was behind recent attacks targeting Iran's nuclear program and military science. Look, I just come back to this. First of all, prophetically, where does this come in? We know that Israel's going to... I mean, Iran's going to attack Israel. What would provoke them to attack them? Well, they hate them already. They don't need much provoking. But when you begin to wipe out all their abilities to provoke, it only makes them more upset. And, Greg, what's neat about this is the Israelis are putting spies in place that will sit there for years until it's time to move and go put a bomb somewhere, or they get in by some local technology on drones or something else they use, and over a series of, of long extensions, they blow up different facilities, different things at facilities, and these are all the pieces, pieces that are needed in the chain to make the nuclear weapon. So it's like, it doesn't look like, oh, Israel attacked their nuclear plant or Israel did this. No, it's, it's, you, you know, you need tires for your car. So I go a year in advance, I blow up all the tires. Well, now, no matter if you make the car, you can't drive it yet. And then you get tires made, and I go blow up all the steering wheels. Well, now you can't do steering wheels, you still can't use your car. And then they're just taking parts out. A little at a time, so nobody knows individually who's doing it or recognize it as much worldwide to come down on Israel, but they're very wisely striking strategically at strategic times, making Iran that much matter, but simply protecting their nation from an attack against Iran. Very ingenious, very wise, and I think further reason for Iran to get upset and want to attack Israel at some time in the near future. You know, what's always amazed me, considering the relationship that Iran has with Russia, I'm surprised that they don't try to make a trade agreement and, and provide oil uh, to Russia in exchange for nuclear weapons that are already made, and no one's going to go against Russia and try to blow any of their stuff up. Anyway, I'm probably yeah. trying to use logic that's not applicable here, but I'm just thinking, why go? Why reinvent the wheel yeah. when your buddy, who's prophetically going to be your partner yeah. in Ezekiel, in the fulfillment of Ezekiel, already has the goods? Yeah, there, anyway. no, you're right, Greg. There's a logic in that, but there's also, and I don't know how it all works, there's also a little bit more complex. You know, once you have the nuclear weapon, you have to have a delivery system. Which Russia has to. And then once, yes, they give them a nuclear a delivery system, yeah. and then you have to have a satellite to help direct it. I know, they've got that too. Yeah, I'm saying all these things can be done. I know. But if you did that, what would that mean internationally with other nations? Oh, that may be the holdup. Who knows? I, I don't know. Like, I, I like. since when is Russia ever concerned about what they do in yeah, the world's well, eyes? Anyway. That's true. All right. Our next story comes from Reuters.com. And this is another one that's perplexing as well. Uh, and, and, and keep in mind, when I read this article, that the world, by and large, is for Iran. They're not against Iran. Our new U.S. administration is for Iran wanting to reinstitute the nuclear peace treaty or whatever that was made during the Obama administration with Iran. So keep oh, yeah. that in mind. As Reuters says, Iran takes steps to make enriched uranium metal. The U.S. and Europe powers are dismayed. <laughs> I'm dismayed that I'm they're dismayed. dismayed that they're dismayed. <laughs> how could they how be? Can you, Listen, how can you be dismayed? Everyone's been telling them, if you let them start this program <laughs> yes. again, they're going to make nuclear weapons. So when they start doing what everyone said and knew they would do, why is that shocking to you? Greg, it's this whole thing, like the defund the police. What do you think is going to happen in these cities? If you get rid of police, what do you think is going to happen? You think, oh, it's suddenly going to become more peaceful. No, it's going to become horrible. It's anarchy. It's anarchy. The police are what God has given us to hold the society in place. So whether or not your whatever your opinion is, if it's just they're not thinking or something. I don't understand the mindset. But this is Iran has begun the process of producing enriched uranium metal. No kidding. We knew that would happen. The UN Atomic Watchdog said on Tuesday. A move that could help develop a nuclear weapon, and that three European powers said threatened the talks that they were trying to revive from the 2015 Iranian deal. Iran's steps, which were disclosed by the international, what the IAEA, which Tehran said aimed to develop fuel for a research reactor, again, also drew criticism from the United States, which called them an unfortunate step backwards. U.S. and European officials made clear that Iran's decision would complicate and potentially torpedo indirect <laughs> U.S.-Iran talks, seeking to bring both nations back into compliance with the 2015 deal, which was abandoned by former President Donald Trump. What are you doing? Don't you realize that if you don't go along with what you're saying, you're going to promote President Trump and stop it? We're trying to help you guys. Can't you see what's happening? This is amazing to me. Tehran has already produced a small amount of uranium metal this year that was not enriched. That is a breach of the deal already. 
It says, which bans all work on uranium metal since it can be used to make the core of a nuclear bomb. Look, let me just go back and say it again. If you if they say we want to make bombs and we want to blow up Iran and America, which they've said. And we say to them, "Okay, we'll make a deal with you. We'll make we'll allow you to make a bomb. Just don't blow up Israel and America. You know, okay, whatever you say. And they keep saying they're going to blow up Israel and America, so, and we still let them make the bomb. Then we open the door for them to make it, Greg, and they start making it, and then we go, I just can't believe that you're actually going through and making a nuclear weapon. Again, what do you think is going to happen? There are direct action and result things in life that just are common sense. It's going to happen. You take police out, crime's going up. It doesn't take a genius to figure that out. You give Iran, who said they want a nuclear weapon, they want to destroy America and Israel, and then America gives them the ability. We're handing them the gun and saying, shoot us and shoot our friends. And then we like, we and, can't believe that they're doing this. And then when this. they start doing it, we go, oh, I can't believe this. What do you think is going to happen? I just, you know, sometimes you just simply, how can they not understand? And yet, I look at Jesus and his disciples. We mm-hmm. have to remember, unbelievers, the majority don't know the Lord. They don't have wisdom and understanding that God gives from heaven. The disciples, he said to them, how is it that you don't understand what I'm saying? And he was shocked at the fact they couldn't get it. I know what that feels like now that we have a connection to the Spirit, and you see what the world is doing and what our leaders are doing. You just kind of scratch your head and say, wait a minute. Don't you recognize what you're doing? It is just black and white, and yet they can't see it because they're blinded by either ideology or culture or a preconceived viewpoint, or as we said earlier, maybe even sometimes by a biblical theology that is just not really biblical. And because of that, they can't see it. It's amazing to me. It is absolutely amazing. All right, Pastor Mark, uh, let's get into some pestilence, plagues, disasters, and corruption. Uh, the last couple of weeks, we've been chronicling the drought and heat wave out in California. Uh, there's an article in our stack that you can read online at thewaymedia.net. We're not covering it in today's show, but it's part of our stack regarding that the drought is getting so bad in California that the almond growers, I think, are ripping up the almond trees or yeah. removing them. Yeah. You can read about that. But it, along with the drought and the heat wave and the things that, Jesus said would happen in Matthew 24. Here's a country that's not known for heat. They're known for cold. They're known for ice. They're known for hockey, and that's Canada. And Canada is battling more than 180 wildfires with hundreds dead in a heat wave. And this is from NPR.org. Yeah, uh, again, it's amazing to watch what's happening here in Canada with these fires. Um, You know, um, the bottom line is they're having these huge fires that are going on that are taking place up there. And Greg Lincoln is saying it's interesting to watch that happen which again we, we talk about uh, and let's take a moment to talk about climate change as we, as we as we see this this is an area that typically doesn't have the wildfires like this they have the colder temperatures and i know during the summer they get warmer it and all gets that. warmer but but not to this extreme yeah and now we're watching what probably is going to be pronounced by others as this is climate change okay look yes. let's talk for just a second about that um the bible says that the climate in the last days is going to change and there's nothing man can do about it Let me say that again. The Bible says the climate is going to change in the last days. And here's the last part I want you to get. And there's nothing man can do about it. We can't stop emissions and stop it from happening. We can't, you know, outlaw toilet paper and stop it from happening. We can't whatever. It's going to happen because God is going to let it happen and even do it when we get into Revelation as a chastisement and judgment on man. And so when you see the changes happening climate-wise around the world, it's not because of what we're doing with our vehicles or our planes or these kind of things. It's because it is the world dissolving under the rebellion against God. And again, God himself allowing these things to happen and, and to some degree. Some of it's just natural environmental change, natural cycles that we see throughout world history. But a lot of it, again, is chastisement that's going to be coming in from the Lord, Greg, even to the point where God himself is going to be, the Bible says, destroying the environment. We read about that in, in Revelation chapter 18. I'm not Revelation 18, just Revelation. Yeah, um, I thought it was six, but I could be wrong. Well, again, it's just anyway, Revelation it's talks there. about it. Yeah. So, so it's interesting to watch when you see climate change, don't get caught up in the climate change movement because you cannot affect it. You can't change it. Yes, be a good steward. I get that. Be a good steward of the planet. Be wise with your resources. That's what a good believer should do is what the Bible says to do. But we can't change the air and the environment. We can't change the water. Uh, The bottom line is God says in Nehemiah chapter 9 that he's the one that holds all that together. So we let him do that. 
So when you see these changes, we need to recognize them as the environment is changing, but it's not because of what we're doing. It's because we're getting into the last days, and we were told in the last days all the environmental changes would begin to take place. So that's what you're seeing happen right now. I believe part of what you're seeing happen on a large scale up in Canada is the overall change worldwide in what is leading toward this ultimate uh, ultimate destruction of the environment when we get into the book of Revelation. But we've got our focus on somehow we're doing it and we need to stop it by what we're driving or what we're flying or what we're eating or whatever else. That is not the case. And again, if we don't use the Bible as a guide, we're not going to understand that. Now, it's interesting, a lot of that, Greg, the next article that you, you, that you wanted to, that were tied to this. Yeah. Or you can talk about it. I just don't have it in my stack because you oh, told me to remove it. Well, so I, I removed mentioned... the other one and I kept this one. <laughs> so we, we're working great as a team together. That's why I didn't read anything from that last article because I don't have it. <laughs> However, I do have this one. Churches burned to the ground uh, in Canada uh, in an anti-church hate crime wave. It is interesting that you have wildfires burning in Canada. Oh, that's, a, that, that's in our church segment, Pastor Mark. Oh, I thought that was I've the got, one you are tying no, to Canada. No, uh, right. no. See, now we're no, really... I've, right. I've got that. All right. That's that's under church. Yeah. I, what I didn't include was the, uh, the pulling up the almond trees in California yes. because the drought is so bad there. And so, gotcha. but that's okay. okay. Take it out of order. Listen, this is your show. <laughs> you well, you do it how you want to do. You do you. Yeah. So yeah, so just that, go ahead. Just go ahead and, and share well, the share, share the Canada. Let's thing. do it that's because fine. again, they're both happening in Canada. Yes. It's the next one that I actually have here in my stack of stuff. That is churches burned to the ground in Canada in anti-church hate crime wave. It, this is interesting as their forests are burning from what some probably would classify as global warming or whatever the excuse they may use. We see spiritual warming, not in a good way, but in a heated way against the church. Greg, this amazes me that in Canada, and again, coming to a nation near you probably, the world is getting so openly aggressive toward Jesus Christ and his church that they're burning down churches in Canada. I mean, this sounds like World War II and burning down Jewish synagogues. Listen to this. At least 20 churches in Canada have been burned or vandalized. Uh, the Rebel News founder Ezra Levant questioned Canadian Prime Minister Justin Trudeau's response to the mounting crime spree on Wednesday. said, this is so explicitly an anti-church hate crime wave, and yet Justin Trudeau, who is normally the first to be the wokest of all, waited a week before saying anything, and he literally said, this is not the way to go. That was all he said. Matter of fact, he came out later and said... Churches, in a sense, have brought this on themselves because oh of the stands that they're making. Yeah, there so you he go. justified those burning the churches down, blaming it on the church. In the last couple of weeks, a series of arsons have arisen as churches and statues are being destroyed throughout the country. In a tweet on July 3rd, British Columbia Civil Liberties Association Executive Director Harsha Walia tweeted, burn it all down, referencing the churches. I think these are dark days for religious freedom in Canada, and let me say, not only dark days for religious freedom in Canada, Greg, I believe there are dark days for religious freedom in America on the way, and we need to be aware, because when it's happening just to the north of us, it's going to move to a country near you, and when you hear the leaders of the country saying, you know what, the church deserves it, they brought it on themselves, in essence, is what he said, when you hear that kind of talk, what do you think is going to happen? I go back to, what do you, we ought to have a what do you think is going to happen segment. <laughs> what do you think is going to happen? Because that's the bottom line. Yeah. When you when our leaders do that, you're going to see greater persecution on the church. And so now back to your very organized, regimented schedule <laughs> that I messed up completely <laughs> by my haphazard shotgun approach to the articles well, today. But Greg, I turn it back over. Well, clearly, things are heating up in Canada. Yes, they are. On many levels. Yes. So we'll keep our eye on our neighbor yeah, to the north. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, and now we will get into our official church segment. Yes, there you go. Uh, our, uh, our first article comes from the New York Daily News that is saying that the British Methodist Church as a whole is now saying yes to same-sex marriages in a momentous step on the road to justice. You know, Greg, Jesus said this, you are the salt of the earth. And if the salt loses its flavor, it is good for nothing except to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. That describes the Methodist Church of Great Britain. God has called his church to stand on truth, to stand on his word, and in love to teach it. Granted, must be done in love, but not to compromise, not to lay it down, not to negate it, not to deny it. The Methodist Church of Great Britain has now denied the Word of God, 
They have denied their Lord, and they basically have said, God, the way you said it's supposed to be is wrong. The way you created it is wrong, and we're going to now course uh, 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 a new course. We're going to we're going to basically get on a whole new path and go a new course. The Methodist Church of Great Britain has, has voted to allow same-sex couples to get married in the church, becoming the largest denomination in Britain to do so. On Wednesday, the governing body of the church voted overwhelmingly to change the definition of marriage from the union between a man and a woman, as God describes it, to a union between just two people. According to the resolution, which passed with 254 votes in favor and 46 against, the Methodist Church believes that marriage is given by God to a particular channel of God's grace and that it is in accord with God's purposes when a marriage is a lifelong union in body, mind, and spirit of two people who freely enter it. They basically rewrote their own scripture. They said, okay, God, I know you said I've created them male and female, and now um, be fruitful and multiply. They now said, well, we don't like those verses. We're going to add these new verses, and we say this is now the word of God. They have become their own God. They've declared their own word. It is apostasy. It is heresy. It is direct rebellion to God. And again, it's sad. The British Methodists now join. Listen to the others that have already done this. The Scottish Episcopal Church, the United Reformed Church, the Quakers, and the Unitarians. The Reverend Sam McBratney, the chair of the Dignity and Worth Campaign Group, celebrated the vote as a momentous step on the road to justice after many years of painful conversations. Here's the problem. They're equating dignity and worth. They're saying that God's word doesn't bring dignity and worth, that God's word is the opposite of dignity and worth. So we have to now step in, help God out, because God messed up. God left out dignity and worth in the way he designed man, a man and woman in marriage. So because of that, we're going to now rewrite the Bible. We're going to put our own words in there, and we're going to call ourselves the place of dignity and worth and do what we want. It, it's, it's shameful. It is, um, um, again, a direct rebellion to God in heaven. Yeah. And again, it's interesting, Greg, the Bible says that uh, the last days will be like the days of Noah. It's where the whole world can see the rebellion against God openly they're being warned, but they still continue to do it. The whole world saw the ark being built. They heard the warnings of Noah. They continued going down the path they were on. They felt because it wasn't happening in the timing they thought it would, they were, everything was going to be fine. Suddenly the rains came and they all were destroyed. The same thing is going to happen in the last days. And it's sad to see the leaders who are supposed to be for righteousness, what are called the church. Greg, once they're gone, there's no hope for the rest of the world. When the church is gone, that is the hope of the world that God works through by spirit. Well, Pastor Mark, our last article sums all of this up. Everything we've been talking about the church yeah. from the Western journal.com. A shocking poll shows that fake Christianity has supplanted the biblical world. Yes. Barna, Barna group, American Christianity has fallen thanks to cultural corrosion and a lack of biblical literacy. People don't know their Bibles. A new fake Christianity has raked the dry ground of the American church. The counterfeit religion is moralistic, therapeutic, Deism, which from this point on I'll call MTD, a worldview that quickly gained prominence and gave many Americans a theology that looks nothing like historical Christianity. George Barna, the director of the research at Arizona Christian University, said that MTD uh, as, or watered-down feel-good fake Christianity is the most popular worldwide, um, most popular worldview, rather, in the United States. What's more, three out of four who hold the MTD, hold to it, still consider themselves Christians. He says, simply objectively stated, Christianity in this nation is rotting from the inside out. MTD is essentially what I would call fake Christianity because it has Christian elements, but it's not really biblical. The moralistic perspective is where is we're here to be good people and try to do good, Barna said. That's really what they believe life is all about. I'll be good to you. You be good to me. Everything else will work out. The therapeutic aspect is everything is supposed to be geared to making me feel good. It's about me. Ultimately, make me happy. Deism means God created the world but has no direct involvement in it. So altogether, there's a distant God who just wants everyone to be nice, and the purpose of life is to be happy. It's one of these models that says there are a number of worldviews. You've got to live in the moment. That's all you've got, so make the most of it. That's like what the Bible says in the last days, uh, eat, drink, and, and live You know, for now. Yeah. Some Christians have tried to argue for secular trends using biblical language, and while it is true that the Bible condemns racism and hatred, Progressive agendas certainly do not reflect Christian values. They promote sin under the guise of loving everyone, end quote. There's no such thing as your truth. There is only biblical truth, 
and deception. Mm. And Greg, doesn't that just sum it up like you said? This is where we are. The church has gotten away from the Word of God, and because the church is not teaching the Word of God, they're teaching social issues. We no longer know the Word of God. I'm not saying all the church, but much of the church no longer knows the Word of God. So when these false teachings come through, they follow, as, as Paul said, every wind of doctrine blows through. They're following it. How sad. Let's get back to the Bible. Let's get back to Jesus Christ, the biblical gospel that he died for us on a cross by his blood, and that everyone's welcome that comes that way. Ask Pastor Mark a prophecy question. Listen to our shows. Read the articles. Subscribe to our podcast all at thewaymedia.net. Click on Signs of the Times. Plus, check the rest of our content out there or listen to WIAM right from the waymedia.net and enjoy some great Bible teaching this afternoon. And we'll see you back here next Friday at 1.30 for more Signs of the Times. has just begun. Be intentional about who you talk to. We call it prayer. You need it now. And God's listening. There's change coming, and it's arriving within you. When the time comes, share what you're learning because you're talking. God's listening. Pay attention to what you're learning. When you find yourself believing God is all you have, remember you've never needed anything else. It's your time. Pray. WIAM 101.1 FM. The Way. I've been hustling one